0: Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel and the MCU. And this episode, we are burdened with glorious purpose to talk to you all about the kickoff episode of Loki on Disney+. Plus. I'm Alex.
1: I'm Justin. I'm Pete.
0: And this is it. This is the one so many folks have been waiting for. We got WandaVision, which I think was a nice surprise. We had Falcon Winter Soldier, which obviously broke big. But Loki, really to me, does feel like the big one coming down the pike here. There's a lot of anticipation for the show. And the first episode just dropped on Disney Plus, so that's what we're going to be going to be talking about today. Obviously, if you haven't watched it, turn away now. Don't listen to this podcast. We're going to spoil the, the heck out of Loki. The hell. Episode. Loki
1: Loki Loki here if you want spoilers. Yes, the
0: Muspelheim if you will out of the first episode of Loki, oh. so turn away, but let's talk broad show broad strokes first. I think we were all excited in different levels about this show. Now that you've seen the first hour of it, just generally speaking, what was your reaction, Justin?
1: Um it's it was a little weirder than I sort of like calmly weirder than I thought. It was sort of like Very, like, uh, moving through it. It was beautifully shot. Um, Felt a lot of Brazil vibes, that movie Mm, uh, from mm -hmm. back in the day, and some light Doctor Who. I mean, Alex, you're the Doctor Who expert, so I'll (laughs) let you speak to that because I don't touch that shit. But uh, this is, um, it was a little calmer than I expected, but I I did like it.
0: What about you, Pete? What's your broad strokes reaction?
2: Uh, Fun. Um, I was excited. I thought from the trailers and teasers and stuff it looked like a fun kind of low-key vehicle and I was excited. I felt like I had okay. a Okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought it had a nice hitchhiker's Were guide you to high key about Loki. The... Yeah. Um I thought it had like a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy type of feel. Um I yeah, I thought it was uh, and Owen Wilson uh, just come on, I mean. This it's just Owen Wilson being magical even wow. though there's no magic there oh, so wow. it was, he's breaking all the rules
1: well wow. and I let me say on on the on the the Owen Wilson uh, tip like he really like what a perfect casting choice as a counterpoint to the yeah sort of cocky like comically um highbrow Loki of Tom Hiddleston in this period of Loki like it's a real like Marvel just crushes it in the casting department. I feel like we learned that again and again um, during our phase one rewatch we just finished about just how good of a job they do in the casting department.
0: I agree with you guys. A lot of this episode was, I think, adjusting my expectations of what I thought the show was going to be and what it actually was going in, maybe based on the trailers, maybe based on what we've known in the past about Loki. And as you mentioned, Justin, if anybody hasn't listened, we did a rewatch of phase one on the past couple of episodes of the podcast, which I thought honestly was a really good lead up for this. I was really happy that we watched Avengers last week before we saw yeah. this because they he, Like did.
1: honestly, if you haven't rewatched Avengers and you're watching Loki now, rewatch it. It's totally worth it. It gives you the full sort yeah. of You kind of
2: do watch a little bit in this though too. Yeah,
0: they do, and we'll get to that in a moment. But they do a great job of recapping you emotionally through everything. But I expected sort of a Million type just jaunt through the multiverse going on yeah, here.
1: And romsimilian, as we know, is your longtime <laughs> TV, nice. TV review po- uh, bro- blog, right? Romsimilian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check it out oh
0: dot biz. I couldn't get.com.
1: Uh, I know. Well, I actually own com, but that was from a sexual and a sort of an erotic Whoa. novel I was writing. It's, I, I, by the
0: way, I got to get you those notes back on the chapters.
1: Uh, yes, I know. And I know the chapters are, it's like a very long, it's a thousand page erotic novel, mostly sex, not a lot of lead up. <laughs> uh, so it's just graphic, graphic stop. sex. Please over stop.
0: Time. Yeah, please, please stop. I'll, I'll move on in a second, but just one note is at a certain point in and out, you can find other uh, words to say that, like, because it's just kind of over and over and over again at a certain point, which I, I never, appreciate I'm, in a very James Joyce level.
1: Bye. Wow. I've wow. never described sex in any other way but in and out. <laughs> if you have another way of describing it, tell me because I need it, both in my novel and in my personal life.
0: I expected Loki to be a goofball romp, partially, I think, because Michael Waldron, who's the showrunner, worked on Rick and Morty. So that was somewhat of my expectation there. That's not what this delivered. And the more that I thought about it, the more that I really appreciated what was going on in this episode, because it's much more emotionally grounded. Like you're saying, it's a little slower than I expected, but doesn't feel slow at the same time, if that makes sense. Like, it doesn't feel like it drags. Well, the uh, the last thing that I was going to say that's apropos of the discussion we were having the past couple of weeks about the character of Loki is it really gets into something that we've never seen in the MCU before, which is this very emotionally grounded take on the Loki character versus what happens at Avengers where he just keeps getting set up to be knocked down the entire time. Yeah. Pete, what about you? Well, uh, let's talk. I guess a little more specifically about that. How did you feel about Tom Hiddleston as Loki in this episode?
2: Oh, it's it's fantastic. He's doing such a great job, and it was it was fun to kind of see, you know, him like watch his life and then kind of react to it. So that was like was nice, kind of like as Justin says, inside the head a little bit. So I, I very much enjoyed that in the performance.
1: And a lot of it was, his performance was so, it was just constantly being undercut. He's being undercut because he doesn't have his powers. He is wrong sort of throughout the whole episode. He gets called a loser, which is something we talked about in the uh, Avengers uh, podcast we just did. Like he is, he loses so hard in Avengers. And here it's like, he gets called out for being a loser and then has to come to grips with his life as a failed God, essentially. Um, Which they do a lot of work with Loki to put him in a place to be sort of a protagonist and hero, which they did over several movies uh, in the rest of the timeline of the MCU. And here they do it over the course of several minutes, which I thought was impressive.
0: That to that point, just the work, the acting work that Tom Hiddleston does in this episode to take you back and give you the Loki, even though it's technically directly after Avengers Endgame, it is really right after Avengers where he spent a day destroying New York. Uh, He, Killed Kosin, I think, earlier that day Ooh. or the previous day. He got beaten the oh, shit out like of him cartoon, by the Hulk.
2: Like cartoon, be- like, yeah. oh, yeah. just...
0: taken downstairs and then ends up in a desert, gets taken here, everything... Just knocked down over and over again, and that not only do you have to have Tom Hiddleston channel that Loki, but that he has to go through processing all the awful things that have happened to him over 10 years of movies, and then also will happen like the stuff he hasn't even really well, that's what yeah, I'm saying like... is. He has to process what happened in uh, Thor the Dark World, which is tough for all of yeah. us. Yeah, <laughs> yes. He has to practice uh, Thor Ragnarok, uh, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, uh, and ultimately dying at the end there. And the, coming to grips with that and coming out as potentially a new Loki at the end, or at least having a new purpose there. We can certainly get there and talk about that a little later on, because... I think that reaction and what happens towards the end of the episode is very interesting, but just great stuff from Hiddleston.
1: Uh, It is funny hearing you describe what he does in this episode where he basically, he does a little bit of a rewatch of all the MCU movies. (laughs) Um, It's very funny that like, at this point, do all of the characters in any series or new movie, are they gonna have to be like, right? So I was, um, (laughs) let me get this straight. I was on uh, in space for a while, like just really recapping themselves.
0: This very specifically made me think about what's going to happen in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, because that's the place where we have a different Gamora from a different timeline. Yeah. So I feel like in Guardians of the Galaxy fashion, they'll probably explain it as eh, she's a different Gamora, she doesn't know us, you know, what? don't worry about it, and move on from there. Um, this obviously had to, by definition, by the you know what the plot of the show is, really dig into the whole thing more. But it never felt like exposition, yeah, which is a very awesome. difficult feat to me. Yeah.
1: I think because they tied it so much to Loki's emotional state, and like he was rewatching his life not to just be like, got it, he was like, oh wow, I'm looking at this from from an outside with an outside eye for the first time and i see that i've been so wrong and so sort of small-minded in the way i've looked at things and then they do some great sort of backflips here by he's like i need to change and he's like oh wait um this place is actually way more powerful than all the other shit i've been chasing after maybe this is how i become the god i want to be so he gets to be the god of mischief at the same time he's like i'm actually a little bit better of a person
2: yeah, it's impressive. Also, what's key about Loki that has been something that's been running through the whole thing is you want to punch him. You want to, you know what I mean? He's a very punchable face. So, like that slow motion, uh, just lip flapping, that was just, uh, I could have watched that for a while. That was really fun. And a nice callback uh, to kind of like the Avengers, where he kind of was a cartoon doll there. And it was very, uh, it was also very fun and enjoyable.
0: But I did like, on the same note, that was definitely, I think, the comedic high point of the episode for me. Just them letting that play out for a very long time. And like you said, Justin, he gets bashed down a ton of times. But the fact that by the end of the episode, he does get to take a little bit of that back and get one over on Hunter B-15. Uh, it is, yeah, Hunter B-15, who's played by one me Mosaku. Uh, and they have that great fight scene That was good, and I think that was important because it's showing us it's not just Loki the loser who loses all the time, but somebody who does actually have power and can get one over on people. Just sometimes, like Owen Wilson's character, like uh, Mobius is uh, dialing into, he lets himself lose. So why does he let himself lose? And that's something that I think we'll continue to explore over the course of the series.
1: It sort of explains why Thor believes in him, which is something I think they haven't really done a great job of explaining in the MCU. Something they do in the comics a little bit more. But if we're taking as the premise out of this first episode that Loki loses on purpose, he's just shaking things up and keeping it going because that's what he does... Then he's a much more sympathetic character and you can see why someone like thor would be like my brother he's important i'm i do this thing i'm the hero that everyone looks up to he's the the other side of the coin so we're both necessary
2: yeah but i also really like that like brother kind of back and forth because like there are moments where you can really call each other out and the fact that like thor had that moment where he's like Loki, you know, I know your tricks. You're a one trick pony. You're just going to betray me. You're going to try to do things. And then you, you know, and it was just like, that's what's cool about this is like, he really is being like, how can I kind of grow above this to, uh, uh, you know, be who I want to be and who is he going to become? So it's, yeah, it's a fun adventure for this character that is, you know, can be kind of written off or kind of just used not so well.
0: One thing that I think they did really well on the script, kind of bouncing off of that a little bit from Michael Waldron, who wrote the episode, is a little bit like WandaVision in a very similar way. It seems like they studied every single moment of this character's time in the MCU and figured, how can we pivot off of that? And you've got the loser thing, him losing all the time, but just that line, I'm burdened with glorious purpose... Again, getting back to Mobius really digging into it, what is his purpose? Like, why does he say that line, and what does that mean for him? And then reflecting that back on him. Uh, Similarly, with the Thor-Loki relationship, the best moments with Thor and Loki are always those moments where it's clear Loki is trapped by his own actions. It happens in the first Thor movie. It happens in Avengers. It probably happened several times past that, though we didn't rewatch those movies for the podcast yet, but those <laughs> moments where Thor will say, "Please, you don't have to do this. You can turn this back. You can turn this around. You can be the good person that I know you can be," and you see it play over on Tom Hiddleston's face every single time. Where there's a moment where he thinks, "Can I do that? Can I? Can I be good?" And then he looks around and says, no, I, I can't. I can't do that. i got to go on and do this thing. So, again, I think it get back to, at least in my mind, with this first episode, the idea of the show is, what is Loki's purpose? If that's the thematic idea that they're playing with, I think that's a very exciting place to take it forward.
1: I agree. And this is getting to the end of the episode, um, which maybe we want to save, but just on the Loki side of it, it feels like Loki's going to be chasing Loki, another Loki. So getting into the duality of that and like a God of mischief is going to create, he's sort of creating and solving problems. Or like if this Loki is like an evil Loki, then it's up to Loki to bring back that mischief level to a tolerable level of mischief, uh, which is what I'm (laughs) always chasing in my life. Uh Uh, And so that's sort of a nice, the, the themes of that you just said, Alex, and that idea as the bad guy also being Loki is, is a fun sort of, mobius strip of an activity uh dramatic arc for the sh- for the series
2: yeah and it was a fun reveal of like of course that's that's who it is you know what i mean
1: well that's he's
2: it's a villain
0: focused show right so who could be the villain of the villain either it's going to be a hero or it's going to be an even worse re- version of the villain and it's such a smart fun reveal there i'm uh, excited to see how that plays out this is a little side note but They touch on this in the episode, which I was very surprised and happy about, but in Norse mythology, when you go back to the original Norse myths, Loki's mischief is very like what they're talking about, where he's like, oh, I'm so mischievous, I skinned some people and let their bodies to rot in a river.
1: Well, it was a different time. It was back when it was like, ha ha, I killed, I cut the knees off all your cows, gotcha. (laughs) Very aggressive pranks back then. Comedy, yes, exactly.
0: So I like that. Comedy I mean, that's another is another thing that I think. Do you know were, what I mean? So it's like... yeah, people they play on this a little bit with the DB Cooper section, where yeah, it's like yeah. he also plays tricks and he's tricky and he does some mischief. But the fact that they're not forgetting that, yeah, he's been around for thousands of years at this point, and he did have that mischief that they played on in Doris Smiths as well, which is by our standards definitely not mischief. I thought it was very nice.
2: The yeah, his Loki's impression DB Cooper was really impressive. You know, it was just really nice. Oh, well, and you know DBK. Yeah, Kidd, yeah right? good friend, good friend.
1: You're the one guy that found him, yeah, right? But speaking <laughs> yeah, of knowing bad. people,
2: uh, Justin, do you know Eugene in this? Casey? Yeah, he
1: shouts shouts to the actor who plays Casey, Eugene Cordero. Yeah! Um,
2: I used to do shows with him back in the day. He's great. He's hilarious. I love he's Eugene, hilarious. great guy.
1: I haven't seen him. He moved to L.A. Uh, years ago. I saw him a couple times when I was out there. But he's had a killer career lately. He's been crushing it, and to see him as a sort of main character here on loki is super fun
2: couldn't have happened to a better dude that guy is hysterical he was on the mandalorian as well yeah, right
1: mandalorian he was on uh skull island i think the movie yeah it was
2: like playing uh, an army dude like a jack dude and he does a voice
0: on star trek lower decks as well so
1: a, a bunch of you people right for lower decks he did a character back in the day which is a, a break dancer um that uh, just had a horrible back injury that was so fucking funny. So um, I don't know if he'll bring, break it out here, but very good.
0: I really liked his character also beyond the fact that it was exciting to see him on TV for fleshing out the world of the TVA, which is so weird and so interesting, just in terms of like, he barely seems like a person who understands or yeah. anything about the real world. Yeah. Yeah, Well, yeah, what's well, a fish, which is a great joke. The whole thing with the Infinity Stones was yeah, great. Yeah, they're
2: just paperweights. Like, it was, yeah, fun moment.
0: Well, what I appreciated again about the show is that sort of character could just be there for bits, and certainly the bits work, but it also adds so much more information about Loki and his circumstances. And the Infinity Stones thing in particular just drives home to him, not just that there's power... At the TVA, that he potentially could take over, but also that the power he's been chasing his entire life means nothing. Yeah,
2: in this world, they're just paperweights. And like to see Loki come to grips with that, like just uh, fantastic. And just like that moment where we're seeing Infinity Stones just in a dude's drawer. You know, like in an office, like this guy is way over his head, doesn't know what's going on. And that moment was like, hey, you almost hit me it was such a great like you imagine someone, you know, like almost kill somebody in front of you in an office like that would be insane. Like it's a fun element to this.
1: Well, and just speaking about the how that works in the larger TVA, like it carves out this whole new weird portion of the MCU that we haven't touched on yet, but we are going into Unlike so many of the other TV shows where it feels like they're operating around the edges of the movies, this feels like it's setting up a lot of the stuff we're going to see going forward with the Doctor Strange movie. And I was really surprised by how much sort of table setting they do and what we assume will be these next movies coming up.
0: 100%. I mean, other than the seriousness, the other thing that surprised me... With it not being a Rom and again, I gotta get you those notes. Oh, geez, really stop. I, everyone's Don't dying to that get that. this. Do not.
1: <laughs> it's a two thousand page erotic novella, and I'll tell you what. <laughs> Have you
0: been writing during the podcast? I, a little because... bit.
1: Um, okay. Uh, just yeah, a lot of in and outs. In, out, li- in, in, out, in and out. In stop. out. It's a lot of copy and pasting. Um, Please. <laughs> and it's a different. The Please sex stop. is pretty wild. It's at like the foot of the bed, and then also in just in the regular part of the bed. So it's like crazy mm. stuff. <laughs>
0: And speaking of crazy stuff, I totally agree with you on how much this is setting up phase four. It almost feels like, though there obviously was set up, you know, there are things they're leading into with WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier and potentially with Black Widow. Uh, Those feel to me like they're dealing with the fallout of Endgame. This, even though it's literally directly coming out of Endgame to the point that we see a scene of Endgame in this episode it feels like it's the one that's really kicking off Phase 4, and specifically that whole instructional video that Miss Minutes does about the timekeepers and the multiversal war and laying all that out. Uh, We also hear something that ties into uh, WandaVision. They mentioned Nexus, Which, if you remember from WandaVision, one of the ads was for Nexus, which was relatively unexplained. So we're starting to get this build-up there that, like you're saying, Michael Waldron is also the writer on Doctor Strange 2. Spider-Man No Way Home is also going to do multiverse stuff. It seems like this is the one that lays out at least part of what the central conflict is going to be going forward, even if not specifically timekeepers going forward and the TVA going forward, but this multiversal war seems like a key piece of information for the MCU Phase 4. Yeah,
1: and the sort of the fracturing of this sacred timeline, I think uh, I'm assuming, they set up that the TVA is here to shut down timelines that are deviating from the sacred timeline, and it feels like Something's going to happen. that will cause a real bad situation where the multi a multiverse will occur, and it's going to be up to Doctor Strange to sort of set that up, explore it, and find out what that means going forward.
0: Well, I'll throw out another thing at you, and it's certainly early going here, but it's, it sort of feels like that there probably is supposed to be a multiverse, and the timekeepers are either actually the bad guys or some sort of Oz behind the curtain thing where there's clearly something else going on. I feel like, uh, granted, we have five more hours to go after this, but it kind of feels like Loki is going to gun for the timekeepers, gun for the power here and find out things are not exactly what they seem.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it also like if timekeepers are being like sort of very picky and very orderly about everything that really flies in the face of this redefined Loki that is about both the positive and negative sides of mischief or the heroic sides of mischief. So it's like, Hey, Hey, timekeepers, you know, unbutton your top button and get loose. Let's have a multiverse. Well, do lizards, Let's have some Do lizards mischief. have,
2: you know, buttons, you know what I mean? Like,
1: Oh, that's a great, that's your children's book. We're all mm-hmm. in publishing. That's a children's yeah. book you're working on, right, Pete? <laughs> exactly, uh, yeah. The lizards want to plug. have buttons.
0: Yeah. I and I I know I got to get you notes on that, but just one top line. one, a lot of the words are in and out and in and out, and I feel like there are other well, things. Can, how would
2: how else would other you describe just... it? If you can invent a new way to say in and out, you let me know. All right, right, I'll, I'll look at thesaurus.com okay. That's
1: and you know, it's funny. Now that you say that, hearing you say that, it's really and every time I get dressed, it's like my shirt is is fucking itself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just in yeah. and out. And it's you like know?
2: how much, you know, you gotta cut it off at some point, but how much do you leave open? You know, it's a... I
1: usually cut it off at when I finish buttoning the buttons, you know.
2: Oh wow, okay.
0: There was one other little connection that I thought was interesting, and it was a toss away line, but it definitely seemed like chum to the fans like us, which Oh, I think you know I know what, what this is, you say it, say it. Uh, this place is a nightmare. It's exactly, right? it? Yeah. it feels like a yeah.
1: direct setup for Doctor Strange because the line he says after that, different department.
0: yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if he physically means an actual different department or a world of nightmare, but there's been a lot of rumors about the villain Nightmare from Marvel Comics showing up in Doctor Strange 2, and that seemed like an implicit confirmation that that's exactly what's going to happen.
1: I, there. I felt like the, wor- the line different department was a meta joke about, oh, that's the films do that. Mm-hmm. That's a different department.
2: But it was also nice that he was like, oh, I'll help you burn down the nightmare department. Do you, are you having a problem with nightmares? Is that what's going on? Yeah, you guys don't.
1: What are your What's your most reoccurring nightmare, Pete?
2: Uh, I don't really want to reveal that, but I guess if you want to know, it's a nightmare where I'm stuck on a school bus and there's a monster in the back.
1: Oh wow! That wow. I yeah. thought you were going to say something about like spoiling the end of a movie, an MCU movie. Well, that would have been a nice <laughs> bit, but yeah, then I felt but like, you got should, real, yeah, real. you had to... And the monster in the back of the bus is like you. Are you Not,
2: the monster? Yeah, it could be an evil version of me that just has a lantern.
0: So <laughs> we mentioned some of the characters on this episode. Obviously, we talked about Loki. We talked a little bit about Owen Wilson as Mobius M. Mobius, uh, and one me Masaku as Hunter B fifteen. But the one we didn't discuss yet is Gugu
1: Mabatha raw as Ravona Renslayer. And she's the judge. Yeah, it had a Great energy, that scene. I don't know, when I was watching, I was like, oh, she definitely seems like a main character, but how often are we going to be back in this room? Uh, right. She felt very tied to the room.
2: But, you know, because she was in front of the three lizards that maybe if we see them, we'll see more of her. And the lizard thing, that's a play on conspiracy theory stuff, right?
0: Like about lizard gods creating the universe and whatnot?
1: Yeah, you know, I was in the Denver airport um, a while ago, and they really lean into the lizard people running the earth yeah. underneath the denver airport which is Alex, pretty crazy
2: i don't know what you're talking about i think the lizards are great and good rulers 90 <laughs> oh, percent of our podcast
0: audience is lizards i just want to mention that apropos of nothing
1: and it is crazy that pete you just mentioned lizards having buttons and do you mean the button like the nuclear button like is they're running shit
0: uh, maybe they always got one talon on the nuclear button I always
1: say cut off one tail and another tail will replace it <laughs> mm-hmm. let's call out specific scenes
0: anything in particular you want to talk about from this episode that we haven't mentioned yes
2: so I'd like to talk about the beginning a l- really cool kind of mirroring <laughs> where we had uh, Loki kind of and fall in the desert like Iron Man you know but kind of laying there in the desert when he first puts on his armor and I thought that was a cool kind of little nod there I don't
0: think it had anything to do with Iron Man, but you could be right.
2: Wait, you're saying they just happened to have two characters kind of do the same thing in the desert, and it wasn't uh, a nod to the other? I don't think so.
1: Yeah, no, and there was a nod to Luke Skywalker on Tatooine in the desert mm-hmm. and Dune. Uh, it was Dune,
0: it was a it was a, it was a teaser for Dune on yep. HBO Max.
1: It also mirrors sort of at the end of a meal when you have dessert. If you know, that's like mm-hmm. sort of a it's like a
0: I always call that falling into dessert.
1: Um, I want to shout out the, the Miss Minutes animated sequence. Um, Alex, this felt like a bit lost uh, Did mm-hmm. you feel a little... this Even this whole episode, I think we can say... Uh, for plotting the uh, the ancestors of this this first episode
0: yeah i forgot to call out influences at the beginning you're absolutely right on lost i think you're spot on with brazil i hadn't thought about that one the two that jumped out to me for the episode and i do want to get back to miss minutes in a second uh but uh legion one of our favorite shows just from the production design perspective kind of felt like that and then also the commission sections of the umbrella academy which is like very on the nose but that is a bureaucratic place that deals with time travel mistakes so it's hard not to think about that when you're watching the show yeah but the miss minute section a little not exactly an easter egg but a fun casting thing that's tara strong as the voice of Miss Minutes. People might know her as lots and lots of voices. She did Raven on Teen Titans Go and on Teen Titans. She was also Twilight Sparkle on My Little Pony, Pete. Oh, right. That's why it was so familiar. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I thought that sequence was great, and the way they laid that out was super fun. Um, I want to see more of that. I want to see more weirdness like that throughout the show. Uh, I think that'll be super fun.
1: Agreed, and I feel like we will. I think they're setting up Miss Minutes to be a whole thing.
2: Also- uh, what was nice about like kind of as far as the setup of the show and the pacing, like I really liked how we got to have moments where he was just watching it, but then other times where we got to live it. Like when he became uh, DB Cooper, it wasn't us kind of watching it or anything like that. Like we got kind of sucked into the moment, which was nice. So I appreciate the fact that like it wasn't just uh, uh, talking about it, it also showed it. And we kind of lived it with the character Then other times, uh, you know, he was watching it happen. So as far as like cool pacing and fun, kind of like uh, a, a rhythm to the show, I really appreciated it.
1: Um, I also just uh, sort of talk about uh, something they didn't really define, but we get some clues toward. These grenades that sort of reset the timelines. Um, very curious how they work. Here's my theory. They also at one point use um, a timeline that is near a branch that's nearing red line. It feels like, um, this is total guess, uh, that the grenades can reset the timeline as long as the timeline hasn't hit its red line. Mm. So the goal is they need to go and sort of like, um, you know, like putting your finger into a a leaking dam. They need to do it before it gets to the point where it breaks through. And uh, evil Loki stealing these, getting his hands on a grenade, I think is an interesting thing. Is he going to try to, Break open the sacred timeline. Use somehow reverse engineering these grenades, or is he shutting off specific timelines that he doesn't like? Uh, I would think the evil Loki's trying to explode the multiverse, make it more.
2: Uh, but that's a great question, Justin. If you had a time grenade, uh, when would you use that in your life? Um.
1: Wow. Okay. Um. I think I would reset the timeline where I wet my pants in the third grade.
2: Wow. And got
1: caught. Because I did that, and then I didn't get caught. Third grade, late to be wetting your pants. But I was sure, waiting sure. in line to get a library book I really wanted. Didn't want to lose my place. And I'll tell you what, just came over me. So I want to... Um, reset the timeline where I did get openly mocked for that because I got away with it in this timeline which I'm calling the sacred timeline
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow thank you for sharing a couple of little notes I wanted to throw out there on comic book stuff and folks might know this who are listening to the podcast but the time variance authority was created by Walt Simonson and Sal Buscema in Thor 372 from 1986 the bit that they did was everybody in the TVA was Mark Grinwald, the legendary editor because he was the guy who kept the continuity in his head? So they thought it would be fun for him to be the guy that was enforcing the continuity. On the other hand, the Timekeepers actually came a lot later. They were created by Kurt Busiek and Roger Stern for two thousands Avengers Forever, and this is something that I think maybe will play out. If you want to talk wild theories, but Immortus, who is a what do you call it antecedent of Kang the Conqueror, mm. yeah. uh, worked for the Timekeepers. And then they eventually became these beings called the Time Twisters who were putting all of reality at risk. So, as usual, I don't think the MCU is going to do all the comic book stuff. But I do think there's something to be said between the connection between the Timekeepers and Kang slash Immortus. Since we know most likely, most probably, Jonathan Majors is going to be Kang in Ant-Man 3. So, there's definitely some potential either for setup of Kang or connection to Ant-Man 3 happening in the show at some point.
1: And to look a little bit deeper uh, down the the pipe here, like Kang also gets us closer to Young Avengers, um, something that is being set up in the TV shows because I believe it's Young Kang is actually Iron Lad in the original Young Avengers series. So... If this is all doubling back in some sort of Mobius strip um, uh, to get us closer to Young Avengers, it's a wild journey we're on.
2: Uh, That's cool. Also, I just liked how uh, the... Kind of time please were yelling at variants, you know, because a lot of uh, comic book fans like they don't like variant covers or some of them are really into variant covers. So it's fun to be like, hey, get out of here, you variants. So that was kind of a fun like. Do you think we're going to get holographic foil Loki at some point in the series? Oh, man, you got to mm-hmm. collect them all. Triple
1: gatefold Loki, truly evil.
0: <laughs> Before we wrap up here, let's move on to our vision board where we take a look ahead at the next episode and speculate about what we want to see most in episode two. Pete, why don't you kick it off? What is on your vision board for episode two of Loki?
2: Well, you know, I want, uh, it would be fun if we kind of got a a curveball and we got to go back and see kind of like Owen Wilson's life and you know, what brought him to this place. And uh, what was it like growing up with Luke? yeah 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 is it was it cool did you guys fight a lot you know is it a thor and loki situation you know um so i you know i'm excited i would that's where i would love for it to go uh but either way i really i'm just kind of enjoying what they're doing right now enjoying the ride of it so uh i don't have a, a too like expectations-wise, like, don't... I'm just... Uh, I'm having fun with this.
1: On my vision board, I sort of want a... I think we need a fun, freewheeling episode. We just had... Um, this episode, which set out a lot of the emotional stakes, I want to see uh, Loki really cut loose. I want um, a mission through time where he um, has to try and fails over and over again to complete this mission, and then he finally learns sort of how to be in this new TVA world he's in. I... I want to see what the show
0: is a little bit. I love this. I really enjoyed this episode. I thought Disney there...
1: Plus six episode um, limited series or yeah. potentially series.
2: It's uh, from Marvel. It's, it's kind of connecting with. The... Oh yeah, it okay. With Thank other you. All right. no,
1: I appreciate that. I It's sort of a romp. It's like
0: Rompsa Million. <laughs> this is a Romsa Million. I think we can all agree on that. Um I like this setup a lot, but it didn't necessarily I don't know what the plot of the TV show is. The thing that I the reason I think I'm not going to get that is Michael Waldron said he wants to completely upend expectations every episode because that feels very consistent with what Loki is about. So I think we're going to get something different next episode, different the 3rd episode, 4th episode, 5th episode. Still, my TV watching self wants to know like, okay, what is this show about beyond now that we're caught up? What happens next? And I think there's a pretty good chance we'll find out what happens next in the second episode of the TV show. We'll
1: oh, see. Interesting.
0: Controversial
2: yeah. take. Yeah. Hot
1: well, it it could be revealed in Pete's children's book or my um, erotic mm-hmm. uh, novella series. This is the part one of sixty. And Alex, what book are you? Did you say you're working on? Is it?
0: I've been editing it nonstop, and I have it cut down to two words. I don't want to say which ones, but okay, them. <laughs> <good. laughs> If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowncast and YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to chat with you about Loki, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Until
1: next time, stay marvelous. Wait, so you're saying In-N-Out Burger isn't about sex? Mm, I don't know. They do it animal style. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Don't
2: ruin in an Burger for people. <laughs>